0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Fort Myers, well, not really Fort Myers. I always say Fort Myers, but it's Naples. Front office insider, Bobby Marks. Hey, Bobby.
1: Hello, Brian. Fort Myers is the airport. RSW right. is the airport here. And if you go 30 miles south, the furthest part of, well, I guess 75 before you go to Miami, you will find Naples, Florida. And why is it called RSW?
0: W. i'll tell you because you all come to this podcast for aviation news stands for regional south west florida airport okay thank you bobby for allowing me you know intercede with that joining us from los angeles although he's just back from east lansing this is home away from home and he's wearing a tie a red bull thailand t-shirt is om young masook
2: wendy i just want you to know it's only been about a week that I got over jet lag from my Asia trip for about, I think it was over there for 20 days. So I hope you don't feel the same thing that my wife and I did, which was we couldn't sleep for probably about two weeks.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But nobody, I've been scolded by Bon McMahon for ever daring to bring up how I sleep because that is big no, no. So I'm not talking about it. All that matters is that we're here now.
2: Wait, I um, will ask you this because I asked Malika this. We were you weren't you couldn't have seen this because you were in the Philippines. We were calling the highlights from the Mikhail Bridges game, not the one where he hit the shot, but the, the one before the medal round. Where yeah, he was against Italy. 24. And I said, the only thing hotter than Mikhail Bridges in the Philippines is lumpia. And I said, Malika, have you ever had lumpia? And she was like, no. And I said, well, it's these little Filipino egg rolls that are just absolute fire. Tell me you ate some for me while you were over there.
0: Hell No. Ugh. But Eric Spolstra loves them, and his uncle Tony, his mom's brother, uh, used to make them, freeze-dry them, and send them to him in Oregon when he was a kid. But uh, they, took, they eat chicken adobo for every meal in the Philippines. Really? You can get it for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they love it. Chicken or pork adobo. No, I didn't have much of the Philippine cuisine. It's not an insult to the Filipino, fine Filipino people. But anyway, uh, speaking of rest, Bobby had an, I am going to call this a must read. If you can have a must read story in, in September, the, the Q and a, or the explainer, I don't know what you want to call it, Bobby, that you uh, published on Wednesday when they, when the uh, NBA board of governors passed the new PPP, which is not a loan program. <laughs> it's the new NBA anti resting Oh, anti-resting, the anti-skipping games due to rest rules and incredibly multi-layered and intricate. And I learned as much reading this from Bobby as anything because it's going to make a big difference in how things are going to go this year. And uh, Bobby, to me, I'm skeptical. I'm a cynical SOB I think they're doing this because they're entering the TV negotiations for the new TV deal. The And look, we work for ESPN. We're part of it, okay? Uh, I'm not negotiating the deal. I'm a big advocate of the dangers and the poor track record and poor trend of devaluing of the regular season. I think it's... One of the biggest things of the threat to the NBA, if you tell your fans that certain games don't matter, they're going to believe you. And I can say that with a straight face, not wanting to hurt players or whatever. I'm just speaking a fact. And so Adam Silver and the league with a very hard pivot toward basically declaring that the science for resting players, not preventing injury is not, you know, how uh, do I don't remember how he put it. It's, you know, it's not compelling and that uh, basically that they got away and lost control of the resting and basically with very strong acknowledgement that they're making a hard pivot when he announced these policy changes on Wednesday at the owners meetings in New York. And they this obviously took months to negotiate. I think they did it again because they're trying to boost the uh, regular season viewer ratings because they're negotiating with the TV networks. But you broke it all down. And to me, the biggest thing is that this is only going to affect about 50 players and where that line is drawn could end up being fascinating, Bobby.
1: Well, it is. I mean, it's 50 players that could increase when we get to February, which is the all-star game. If there's some first time nominations, whether it be, I I wrote about Tyrese Maxey, Mikael Bridges, players like that will eventually would get added to that. I'm fascinated to see what happens in San Antonio with Victor Wembenyama. He's not on this list of star players, although he probably has the most star appeal. Out of this, Well, he's got group. a lot of
0: national TV games, he so does. that should count for
1: something. So I think it's interesting because this is a player participation policy is something that was approved by the board of governors. This was not a collectively bargained, you know, the player association was certainly in a loop on it, but this was not, this is not in the CBA. Um, the reason why it's not in the CBA is because there's no player discipline here. There's team discipline. Now the, the league can say, well, if a player fails to render services, there's a, a fine amount. And that's in the CBA here. There there's, you know, as you said, there's, we've got 50 players here, the days of Anthony Davis and LeBron James resting in Brooklyn on a first game of a back-to-back and then playing the next night on a national TV game. You know, listen, it's going to be up to the Lakers. You know, they're, they're going to be the ones who are going to, want to deal with if they want to get a fine, which is it's a hundred thousand for the first one, two fifty for the second one. And then it's a million dollars, every fine from there. And I, I, I'm fascinated to see how the league looks at um, the, their investigations when they a, a team doctor says this player can't play. Uh, it's a national TV game. And the league comes in with their own independent doctors to look at as far as uh, the medicals here. I'm also interested to see what happens with guys who are involved in trade talks. Let's say Damian Lillard and Portland decides, you know what, we're going to shut him down. Until there's a deal to be made, that's in violation of this, you know, resting, um, you know, this resting policy. We saw a few years ago John Wall in in Houston. I think he would have probably been considered a stall or star, maybe based on All Star, maybe not. But like situations or all like NBA. that,
0: he had made All NBA. All yeah. NBA, yes.
1: Situations like that would be, you know, you wouldn't be allowed to do. So there's, there's a lot in this memo. It's, it's funny. when Adam Reisinger, my editor, asked me to write it Monday night. I was like, man, I don't know if I even get, I can get a thousand words out of this thing. And then it turned into three thousand because there's just a lot of meat here. The, the interesting thing, and I didn't write about it. I was just thinking about this yesterday. Is that as part of this new collective bargaining agreement, whenever a team is fined, the players' association gets fifty percent of the fine. So if you're, if if it's kind of, you know, the Lakers get dinged for resting LeBron on a national TV game and they get fined a million dollars or 500,000 of that now goes to the PA, which is a, an interesting kind of wrinkle um to it here, but, and there's certainly exceptions people can read about it as far as certainly towards the end of the season. If you've clinched a, a playoff spot, there's a lot of different intricacies there, but it's very different than the 2017-18th resting policy. This one has just is. This is just more stringent, and there's just more. There's more rules. It just and it just tightens things up here.
0: I want to read from a news story written in the fall of two thousand nineteen by Om Young Musuk. The man was with us right now. This is a story about when the Clippers were fined fifty thousand dollars for calling Kawhi Leonard skipping a game rest, and the NBA at the time. I believe what happened was it was a back-to-back and Kawhi was out and Doc Rivers said, he's fine. He's just, he needs to protect his, you know, he just I can't remember exactly what he said. And the league fined them $50,000 for basically saying that he was out due to rest. And the league made an announcement that Leonard is suffering from an ongoing injury to the patella tendon, in his left knee, and has been placed on an injury protocol for back-to-back games. So that was four years ago, but, under the policy that was in theory, under you know, going on until just this week. And so at that time, it was don't call it rest, it's really an injury. And we're not, it's so much of an injury that we're going to announce. I remember announcing to the world, they're like, Oh, guess I guess Kawhi has a patella injury. We didn't necessarily know that. Now, this is the way it is. Now, if the Clippers say that Kawhi Leonard is going to be out with patella injury, the league might come in and say, actually that was due to rest that wasn't due to a patella injury and here's a million dollar fine the possibility of the exact inverse because Kawhi is a classic example here this is a guy who has had nonstop knee issues he's coming off of another knee surgery that he had in the off season are they honestly going to be able to say and are the clippers actually going to listen Kawhi? that second i have a back-to-back that's a late i think i think the, the clippers right out of the gate, have a back-to-back that includes a national TV game with the Lakers. I got to ch- double-check that. It
1: is. It They play October. They play Halloween, I think, against Orlando, and then the next night is against the Lakers.
0: Okay. What's going to happen with Kawhi in that set of games, <laughs> all?
1: Yeah, well, so let's let's
2: rewind back. Well, first of all, the Clippers have come, for better or for worse, the poster childs of PPP. Um, <laughs> if you looked in the last 48 hours. Which is hours-
0: interesting because it was the Lakers who actually got the PPP loan. <laughs> in the last 48 gave hours,
2: every site that has posted something about this, the picture that it accompanies it is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So, poor Norm,
1: I, I don't I want to apologize to Norman Powell, who got yes, I saw, fires yesterday. I saw that. Yes, yes,
2: even poor Norman Powell has been in the crosshairs, but yeah, like. That instance that you talked about, the Clippers, I mean, it it was a matter of Doc Rivers back then was the only guy that ever talked all the time. And Doc sometimes would be too honest and would tell us stuff like that. And then it became the Clippers had to get all their ducks in a row whenever it came to any injury that was involving Kawhi Lunder. Here's my thing that I talked to Bobby about. Last season, there was a time, and for the most part, let me say this. When Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were out and if they were out together at the same time, usually it was because they both were really hurt. If there was a time when they were resting Kawhi Leonard on back to backs, oftentimes Paul George played in the game that Kawhi Leonard did not. It was not really a lot of times that I remember that both of them were out of the game. Unless I remember unless...
0: a game that was in the afternoon and, and Ty Lue oh, found I, out like I was about to get to
2: that. I was about to get Sorry, to that. Didn't uh, Sorry. Unless sometimes if the the back-to-back the first game was a marquee game that they felt they needed to get but usually in a weird way a lot of times it was they would it looked like they were picking the game that they thought they should win and then they would have their star play in that game but anyways this is where it gets hairy to me and i asked bobby about this and when the nba sends investigators in what is going to be the process because there was one time in the regular season last year, this game really sticks out to me. Both players have been out for about five to six games, um, and then they came back in practice on a Friday afternoon. And I remember looking and I saw Kawhi and PG, usually when practice opens for the media, they're gone or they start to scatter. They were sitting in the far end of the court talking to each other for a long time. And I was like, what is this about? This is strange. And so the organization, Ty Lu had basically said, yeah, they practice full and all indications. He didn't say this verbally, but it basically made it sound all indications are they're coming back tomorrow. Uh, they practice full. They pass what they needed to pass. All we just need to see is how they feel tomorrow morning. But I mean, the, the entire organization was expecting them to play the following day. But the following day was a 12 o'clock game, I think, against Sacramento. Clippers hate those matinee games at home that they get screwed with because, you know, they're the stepchild tenant in Staples or, you know, and at uh, Crypto.com. So we come there and it's like about, you know, t- Tyloo meets the media and all of a sudden it's like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are out. And I remember talking to people in the organization that day and a lot of people were like, what is happening here? These guys look like they were coming back. They're not it's I felt the frustration for the entire organization for the for one of the first times. So just like it feels like we're throwing away games. This is the type of situation. This instance right here is when I think the NBA, what do they do now under this new policy? Yeah, what if
0: Kawhi's like, I'm not playing. I don't care if it costs you a million dollars. What's you? What are they going to do? Are right. Just and, gonna and, say, oh,
2: he's got a sore knee. What, what are they going to do? And normally I would say. The Clippers would be the type of team that would protect their stars and would say, we'll take the fine because of Steve Ballmer's deep pockets. But I would say that entering this season, the narrative seems to be changing a little bit within the Clippers organization of like, you know, when Ty Lue and when Lawrence Frank kind of set the tone. Both of them saying we got to take the regular season more seriously, which to me was obviously a message saying our stars have to start playing these games. But to your point, and also I think we're going to get into this about the extension part as well. like you know, those two guys, I feel like the Clippers, like Clippers, it's not extension season with the Clippers, whether it's Ty Lue, whether it's Kawhi Leonard, whether it's Paul George, I think this is a prove it type of season for them. But like that early back to back as you're talking, we can't forget Kawhi Leonard is coming off an MCL injury to the same knee that he had an ACL injury. And it got so absurd, Brian, that during the playoffs last year, after Kawhi had that first two game tear, people literally on my timeline were like, Kawhi Leonard is load managing in the playoffs. He was not load managing. He really did get he had surgery. Yes, he really did get hurt. But it's to that point where anytime he's out now, people think he is load managing. I don't know what the Clippers are going to do because I think they do have to kind of bring him along a little slowly.
0: They have no choice, of course. And then the other
2: thing about their schedule, Brian, in the last like six weeks, they have like six back to backs. So. As Tyler was saying, we don't want to be fighting for seeding. We want to play. We want to take these games seriously. What do they do toward the end there when they're trying to gear Kawhi Leonard up for the playoffs? And Paul Drew, they're going to play those guys in those six back-to-backs. Apparently,
0: be- I'm so as I'm reading through the thing that you wrote, Bobby, and I really you guys got to read it. I'm going through this and I'm saying to myself, these teams, like especially a team like the Clippers, they're going to have to designate a person in their organization to manage this. Because there's a whole protocol for how you have to alert the league if you're going to enact it. And there's, you know, you may have to, honestly, you know how they have these, all these teams have strategy guys who are in charge of like evaluating the the relative value of every single second round pick over the next seven years. And all these, you know, different layers of draft strategy and stuff like that. There, there may need to be a, there may need to be a strategy guy at the Clippers who was working two to three weeks ahead and evaluating where rest and how they can do this and liaising with the league. Like that's how intricate this is. And the other thing is because it's 50 guys, I think it's 49, right, Bobby, 49 guys on this list.
1: Yeah. And there, there's and tw- 25 teams and 15 of those have multiples. The multiple okay. teams are the ones that we have to focus on. <laughs> those agree. Are so, those so teams. right. So we're talking
0: about, you know, AD and LeBron, you know, LeBron's coming off a significant injury. 80s always hurt frankly but like look at the the Detroit Pistons now they're not you know they they don't nobody really cares about them on this policy right because they don't have quote-unquote stars they're not going to be on national tv so they've got Cade Cunningham coming off of a serious injury that knocked them out for almost the entire season by the way Cade one of the guys to watch in your fantasy teams go get Cade Cunningham because he was a killer in the summer in a the, in the couple of days that they were, they looked for the, uh, the select team, the select team USA. He looked great. Don't uh, let the
2: sleepers out, Wendy. I'm trying to beat everybody in my league.
0: All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> if you're listening to this pod in mid September, during football season, you get the reward. So I'm just saying like Kate Cunningham, the clip, the, the Pistons Kate Cunningham might be an all-star come February, but like they can just with impunity be like, well, we're just going to rest him. And they may be playing a team that has star players that doesn't have this, it's not really a level playing field. So I can see how these teams with multiple stars are frankly going to be pissed off, even though I, even though at the heart of it, I understand what they're doing. And I agree with putting more emphasis on the regular season. But like you said, Bobby, the teams that have multiple star players are at uh, in some regard, a competitive disadvantage here.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Phoenix, Booker, Durant, Beal, Durant falls he into that out category. for a
0: bunch of last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, Durant falls into this special category of guys who have played either 35 – or they're 35 years old or 34,000 minutes. Um, Harden is part of that LeBron where basically you can send the league a week in advance if you see a back-to-back and you want that player sitting. Um, I think Kawhi will fall – there's a, you know, a special ex- exemption where – um, it's, you know, in here, it says a league also detailed that a team can seek approval for a star player to be unavailable for one end of a back-to-back based on the player's prior or unusual injury history. So we could probably put Kawhi in there, but that means, so let's say you play, um, you've got that Orlando game on the 31st. Um, you want him to sit. Okay. He gets approved. Now. You're going to, you know, you're not sitting Paul George for that game. No, but you're not sitting Paul George for the national TV game. That's not allowed. So you really have to manage as far as what your, what the, what your schedule is. I mean, Minnesota is another, t- another t- interesting team because they've got four guys with Conley. I mean, in their younger uh, Conley, Rudy Towns and Anthony Edwards, like it's. It's it's going to be fascinating as far as how teams look at at the at the schedule here and to determine, you know, do is it worth the hundred thousand? Is it worth the two fifty? Is it worth the one point whatever two five to protect? And you know, and I, I wrote about it. Like the the one thing the team said to me: so what happens? You have a back. You have a back to back. You go overtime. Both your star players, Kyrie and Luca, goes for forty eight minutes. Right. Next night you're in Cleveland.
0: This exact situation happened last year.
1: Yeah, with the Warriors. Yep. Do you do you you know do you do you do you rest one and not the other or like what do you do?
0: This exact situation happened. the 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 Warriors were playing in Boston. They come to Cleveland on a Friday, Friday or Saturday. I can't remember which. I don't think it was a national TV game, but it was you know the prime game on the Cavs schedule. What they built their schedule, their you know their their opposition sales around. They went to overtime. I mean, I think they. It was like game five of a road trip. I think they might have skipped it anyway. But when they went to overtime in Boston, it became a guarantee. And sure enough, they did. Uh, I think Clay, Steph, and uh, Draymond all sat. And, you know, with no injury, that would be against the rules.
2: Not, not saying stars would go along with this because I think if you play, you play, right? But what if a team says in that scenario that, Bobby, you just mentioned, okay, we're going to play you, uh, our stars for five to ten minutes tonight. We'll just playing yeah, like or a what bit if the they
0: half. did the drew holiday and they peep, they they played right. foul 30 seconds in
2: yeah and the, and like then what does the league do <laughs> like that that's that's even worse like I think the league would have to do something about that the wibinyama thing okay so look I got this from um uh the latest odds from Bet Online in Vegas, players to not be eligible for NBA Awards, which is the 65 game thing, right? Which I also think is why, like, they did the 65 game thing, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, we got to remind these guys it's an 82 game season, it's not a 65 game season, right? But Zion Williamson is first in odds not to be eligible. Number two, Kawhi Leonard. Number three, <laughs> have Anthony Davis. That, home? <laughs> yes, number three, Anthony Davis. Number four, Paul George. Uh, first team to be fine for resting a healthy player. <laughs> la clippers two to one odds okay second would be the suns (laughs) third would be the lakers no bet. fourth would be the spurs okay when will the first fine for resting players occur games 11 to 20 uh they have odds for that games one to 10 but teams with most fines for resting players the la clippers are number one with their odds three to two suns second lakers third
1: I would put Golden State in there. If I was betting, I would put Golden State in there. You know, I mean, you got Curry, Draymond, and w- Wiggins. I don't think Paul Falls in there. And Chris Paul, Yeah.
2: yeah. But, but, Wendy, to your point of having a strategist, is it going to be a medical person? Because if it's a medical person, that person's going to lean toward resting these guys.
0: Well, that's the thing. So when you've talked about this issue with players and agents in recent years, one of the things that they will say consistently is that they make it look like the player is the bad guy. When in a lot of instances, it's the team saying, nope, we did your tracking data. You're 17% above where we think you should be. And you're sitting either tonight or you're sitting on Sunday or whatever. And so basically what they're doing here is trying to de incentivize the team from, you know, basically. Uh, I mean, the team wouldn't say arbitrarily; they would say it's based on science. What Adam Silver is saying is that the science is unproven, um, that uh, the, 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 there's, there's, the the data isn't shown enough. Yeah, he, for the he went as far as yesterday
2: to mention Sudafed.
0: Yes, he because Sudafed, the one of the ingredients in Sudafed, the FDA basically said doesn't work after all these years, and so he basically compared. Resting to Sudafed. And I, I mean there's a couple of people who work work with us in the media who have who are big believers in this, who I can only imagine what happened when Adam Silver said that. So, but uh, it's 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 gonna be interesting to watch for sure. And this is gonna be one of those things that I think whenever there's a big off-season change, whether it's a change to the replay rules, whether it's a change to the hand check rules, whether it's a change to the traveling rules, it's hyper awareness happens early in the season. So the first time this is an issue. Or whatever, it's gonna be a big story. And we're gonna see it definitely play out.
1: More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call or click ranger.com or just stop by we've been talking about the clippers one of the things that has happened uh while the world cup has been going on and diverting attention is paul george became extension eligible he has been extension eligible i believe september. bobby for about 10 days give yeah. or take
1: yeah uh um, early november early uh, september yep yeah.
0: paul george has no extension kawhi leonard has no extension they don't have to have an extension by the start of training camp, but the fact you know, Kawhi has been extension eligible since June or July. He's been exp- for a while. We have no extensions here, uh, Om. They have one year left on their contract, both of them. They make the same exact salary, same exact contract uh, at the max, and then they both have player options in their deal. <clears throat> Obviously, if you have a star player going into the last year of his contract, uh, which is essentially what this is, because they're player options, you typically do not want them. To get to that situation. And yet we have no extension with the with Paul or or Kawhi. What do you make of this? And well, what do you make of this?
2: It, it feels like uh C Ballmer is like not going to reward people right now for basically like, you know, guys being injured and the team having not done what you know he expected them to do. Whether it was like Ty Lu not being able to get the extension that he wanted. Uh, I think, like, if they you know, for everything I've been told, Ty them,
0: has uh, they they picked up Ty's added like a year, option.
2: but but I think he wanted yeah. a new contract. And I want he, a new
0: contract, yeah. uh, ESPN. I got multiple years left. Let's do the deal now. Yeah,
2: he wanted a new contract, especially I think after all these coaching salaries blew up with, with Monty's salaries, which is a whole other <laughs> thing. That was another thing I heard from the coach. I talked,
0: you know, real quick, I talked to him about it. I did a story while I was in Abu Dhabi. I saw that Steve, Steve Kerr basically on the record had nothing to say <laughs> yeah um i didn't even bother asking spo for i didn't even bother <laughs> um because spo spo and kerr are going to last year their contracts and i did ask ty and ty was fine talking about it on the record and ty said yeah i think it was absolutely spectacular that greg popovich announced his contract extension and and the, the popovich number didn't come out with the announcement but pop had never announced his extension and then woge reported the number within uh within a few hours of the extension and monty pretty much broadcast i mean obviously it it he didn't announce it and neither did the pistons but it was very public and monty talked about it in his in his uh press conference he was like yeah i, I got paid a lot of money i did this for you know in part for money Wait, when
2: is the um, coaches meeting the, in the annual coaches meeting like like they already had it. Right right now? they already had it they already had it. Yeah. i think entering that some of the coaches I talked to said they were just, it was an absolute buzz in the coaching world about this contract thing. And that's all they wanted to talk about were the, were the enormous salaries exploding and it's time to start getting paid. So they had
0: to, they had to, they, I'm sure they all toasted Monty and then sent him the bill. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, but yeah, but Ty, I mean, but Ty like, like, yeah, Ty, but was like, yeah, it feels like it feels like, like it's help not all extension. of us, especially. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go sorry. ahead. Sorry, Ty was like, this is going to help all of us, especially. Steve and Spo, because yeah. they've got one year left in our in our, you know, in theory negotiating, you know, now Ty has two years left. I'm sure he'd like, he'd love to have one, but he's got, it's not as pressing for the Clippers. Sorry.
2: And, look, let, and let me say that Steve Ballmer absolutely loves Ty Lue. And I think he knows what he has in Ty Lue. But at the same time, I think Steve Ballmer is finally like, let's see this team do what I've paid this team to do. And everything I've, I've done to make this team a championship caliber team. And so I think that also extends down probably to Kawhi and Paul, that there's just no rush to do an extension with them. And I guess if they wanted to do an extension on the Clippers terms, probably, then maybe we might see an extension at much, much less than what they would hope for. I
0: don't Otherwise, even know. I, maybe the Clippers, I don't know. Maybe the Clippers don't even, maybe the Clippers are like, look, it's not even an option for us. I yeah, don't know.
2: I, I think the Clippers want to see how this season plays out. Um, and Bobby, I,
0: one of the reasons why you, you would do that for the Clippers is because the rule changes are aimed at them. And and if they sign two guys that can't play, it, it completely kneecaps them what needed to go forward.
1: Well, in, the rule changes also help them regarding an extension because under the prior CBA, both these guys have a player option for next year. I think it's like $48 million, somewhere around there. Under the old CBA, you couldn't decline that option and then extend for less in the first year. So meaning that you couldn't decline that 48 and then start at 35 for the first year. Under the new CBA, You they can decline the option, okay, knock the 48 off, and then start at a lower, a significantly lower number and then work their way up from there. So let's say you, you knocked 48 off and now you're going to start at 35 and then work your way up. And that gives them a little bit more, a lot more flexibility as far as to what type of deal they could do. And listen, both guys are um, they're not an October 23rd player where they, there's a deadline here. They have till June 30th because how the league looks at it um, player with in the last year, the player options not included um, you've got a, um, you know, pretty more more of a runway to, to, to get something done.
0: Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Omar. Obviously at media day, if they don't have, a deal done they're going to get asked about it so they're going to have to have an answer they don't again they don't have to have it done as bobby just said but you know this is something typically that you'd want to handle before certainly the start of the regular season um, but most likely you start a training camp a number of other extensions have gotten done before training camp
2: yeah it certainly feels like it's a you know prove it type of season for for the entire clippers organization that basically i think steve baumers is kind of like hey if people want to get rewarded at least this is my 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 thinking is that if, if uh, people want to get rewarded let's see you guys do it on the court and of course remember they're going into the new arena next season Steve Ballmer does not want to go into that arena rebuilding and a complete rebuild I think he even said that lately on on Paul's pod but you know i think he also with the way the new cba is and it's so restrictive and punishing for teams that pay a luxury tax paying team like the clippers i think they are doing their due diligence and watching How to build this team moving forward.
0: And I know there may be some, you know, they, they almost had a deal for Malcolm Brogdon and then that deal fell apart. They tried to trade for James Harden and that deal didn't happen. And from what I understand, it was the Clippers who said, okay, there's no deal here. We're going to move on. Um, and so I assume that while they certainly could make a deal mid season, I assume that this is what they're going to go with. And I assume this means Russell Westbrook while they hunted for another point guards. I assume this means Russ will be their starter. Um, he it worked out well in the playoffs last year. I think it's somewhat of a mistake to abandon Terrence Mann, who was playing very well when they, when he, when they made the Westbrook move, but whatever um, you know, is running it back. That's, that's essentially what they've done. They've, they, they traded for K.J. Martin, which was a nice pickup, but he's a backup. Um, they do have trade assets, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, uh, expiring contracts. I do think they're a strong candidate to make a midseason trade, but how do you feel about them if they do just say, let's just everybody, we're going to just play it out for this year and see how it goes. I mean, Kawhi is going to have to play more into the new rules, I guess, and he's potentially going to be incentivized to play more. And the other thing that I'll point out, the Clippers are not without leverage here on Paul and Kawhi. As far as I know, those guys want to be in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so, like, if they opt out and become free agents, I mean, I guess somebody could go after them. You know, Philadelphia right now has positioned itself to be a, a big free agent player. I guess Philadelphia could, you know, swoop in and go after Paul or, or Kawhi. Um, are, are, they, are they going to Philly or someplace like that? Uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe it's not the worst um, set of risks factors for the Clippers to play it at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that also does really play into or at least the Clippers hope plays into their favor as far as how they're going to do this season. I think if those guys are healthy going into the playoffs, I think the Clippers do feel like even if we don't make a move for James Harden. As long as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy, we know what they can do when they're healthy. We just haven't seen it all the way through. But we saw it a couple of years ago, obviously, when they made it the second round, Western Conference Finals, Kawhi Leonard was great in those first two rounds, and then he gets hurt. Last year it was just Kawhi. Paul was hurt. They were waiting for Paul to come back. Kawhi looked phenomenal in those first two games. Then yeah. he gets hurt. So I think they're just like, look, I think we Terrence Mann, he can make another leap forward. He's worked hard this offseason. He looks in phenomenal shape. K.J. Jr., you know, Kenya Martin Jr., he basically brings an athleticism. He brings a fire to them that they absolutely need, an ability to run a full season. Also,
0: if they trade Marcus Morris, he in in theory could step in and be their starting four, depending on what kind of trade they I,
2: I mean, I think they are still waiting to see the Sixer situation and whether it turns into a tire fire here. I mean, like, or just a disaster. Like basically if, you know, James Harden tries to light that house on fire, the Clippers would just sit and watch and see what happens.
0: Well, I don't know who knows. Maybe Kobe Brown. I don't know how, but you know, that's the guy they drafted with the 30th pick. Maybe he looks great. And all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute. We might have something here. I don't know. Uh, I'm not so expecting that, but it's a, it's definitely a complicated situation because I think once the new, already, I think the Clippers weren't sure about whether they needed to go forward with this. And once the new rules came out, and then once Kawhi got hurt again, I mean, Olm, you and I were on that that Suns Clippers series. Yeah. The you remember they won game one and then there was two days off, off between between games one and two. That Clippers team was on air because they had Kawhi playing good. They had the possibility of Paul coming back. They liked their game plan against the against the Suns. I mean, like, I'm not going to say they were like, oh, yeah, we got them. But like that, they had had a lightness to them that I hadn't felt around the Clippers in a long time. Yeah. You know, they were like, we might be able to do this. We might have a run in us. Um, You know, we spent some time around them for a couple of days there in Phoenix. And then I remember game three. Right. It was like all of a sudden. Remember what
2: I told you in one of the games? I think it was like game one. We're sitting there. And I, and and you know Kawhi does this every game, but I I think I told you inevitably when a Kawhi looks like he tweaks something, and he and for like about a two second thing he looks like eh, that looks like a little limp, and then all of a sudden it has gone and he's fine. I think I told you I said with Kawhi you always have to watch these things, and but it's the next day when you got to see if he's okay, not in the game. In the game he always plays it, it looks like he's fine, but then a day or two later something pops up with Kawhi. And then that's basically what I think happened. He hurt himself, I think, in like game one, but didn't think anything of it. Game two played, looked still great. And then it flared up on him, you know, at some point in game two or after game two. And then that's when they found out, you know, it was a basically yeah. torn MCL.
1: Man, rough. More Hoop Collective podcast after this.
0: Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. Kevin Porter Jr. of the Houston Rockets was arrested in charge of the felony, domestic violence in this last week. The Athletic reported that the Rockets are trying to trade him. I think there's a good chance that he's played his last game for a long time in the NBA. We'll see how the legal process plays out. Uh, however, uh, the Houston Rockets have to handle business. And Kevin Porter has a unique contract. He has a four-year, $82 million contract, but only the first year, which I think is about $16 million. Is that right, Bobby? Yep. Is Only this year is guaranteed. So the Houston Rockets are an interesting position. Now, you may say to yourself, well, if he's facing this you know, you know. Number one, why wouldn't the Rockets just cut him? You might say, well, if he's if he's you know been accused of you know striking his girlfriend in the face, causing her to bleed, he I believe he's charged with some sort of strangulation, and that there's been reports that uh, she has a fractured vertebrae. If that's the case, why wouldn't the Rockets just cut him and say goodbye and pay the money? So, Bobby, explain to us why the Rockets now have to do some strategy, even though this is a complete mess situation on a, on a, on a human level from a basketball strategy level, the Rockets have to go to do some work here.
1: Well, I think, yeah, there there's, there's multiple different options that Houston's going to be looking at. Uh, the first is while this investigation is going on uh, and if it's not resolved, you know, we're going to keep our distance and you're not going to come to training camp. Okay. Like that's business one here, the second order of business. And I've seen this from a lot of people is like, why don't they just waive him? And they, ha- they can, right? They can waive him if they want, and they can absorb his $15.9 million cap hit, and they would be off the hook for money going forward. However, if Porter Jr. eventually is found to be either guilty or the league suspends him and he's not under contract, similar to what happened with Miles Bridges last year, the Rockets are still on the hook for that money because he's not under contract with them anymore. So they would he would still be getting that money here. I think what's interesting is, is that and it's a complicated rule in the new CBA here and and it, the league basically included this language because <clears throat> guys would get <clears throat> guys would get suspended on the, like towards the end of their contract they would become a free agent and teams would be re- reluctant to sign that player so um john smith got suspended towards the tail end of the year for 5 games he became a free agent teams didn't want to sign him to a 10 day contract because there was already, he had to serve 5 games Now how the league has language in here, it's called a carryover suspension here. So for example, Kevin Porter Jr. is waived in Houston. He is suspended 25 games. Well, Porter Jr. could just play out the year, not sign with the team, collect his money, and there won't be any suspension the following year because this carryover suspension would basically eliminate anything that the league has put in here. So, um, and then there's the, you know, certainly the trade component here and, I just like from a moral standpoint, and we'll see more at what comes out in this. Like, what team out there would want to trade for Kevin Porter Jr., even if the thought was is that, you know what, he's going to get suspended. We'll collect some money from him. We're going to get a first round pick and have our name attached to, to that, even if he never played a game. Like, eventually, like when we look at Wikipedia <clears throat> and you look at Kevin Porter Jr., it will say, well, Played for Cleveland, Houston, and Team A. I mean, that's the reality of it in here. So, but listen, it's a business, and if teams can get draft compensation for a player that uh, Houston is trying to get rid of because of these circumstances, I I get it here. Um, but you know, the one thing that Houston is not going to do is they are not going to waive him. I, I don't see them waiving him until there is more clarification as far as where this suspension is going to be. If yeah, there so is let
0: one. Me- so some people might say well why do they need to attach a draft pick to get off of him why can't they just do what you're just saying if they they really want to get rid of him they need to waive him and here's where the basketball strategy comes in and I don't and I and I don't mean to be a coarse here because we are talking about a, a domestic violence situation where he's accused of doing something terrible and I'm not disregarding that but I'm just saying you want to try to understand what the Rockets might do here, we're going to try to explain it. If you look at the Rockets' books, they've got Fred Van Vliet, their big free agent signing, $40 million this year. You've got Dylan Brooks, their other big free agent signing at $22 million. Then after that, they have a a bunch of relatively small salaries, and except for this one salary, Kevin Porter, $15 million. If they want to make a trade and acquire a, a, a player having that salary could be important. So in addition to, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs this year. Um, You know, they, they went out and spent a bunch of money, you know, not only signing Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, also signing Jock Landale. Um, They went, they signed signed a bunch of money. And so they, I think would like maybe to get a player out of that spot. And if not a player immediately, even if they can trade him for another piece that they can use for trade purposes later, um, which is why it wouldn't just be attaching a draft pick to him to just get rid of him and get rid of the problem and get rid of the PR. It would be to get him and be able to have a player to help them now, or have the ability to use that, you know, contract that they bring in another trade. And that's where the strategy comes in. And it's certainly not something that um, Houston probably hoped to be dealing with at this point. Um, They obviously were concerned about some things about, Kevin Porter. um, They gave him a contract that was unique almost in the history of the NBA. Uh, Maybe it's somewhat comparable to Zion Williamson, but not really because Zion's contracts, their guarantee is a little bit different and they're worried about Zion's injury. In the case of uh, Kevin Porter, they guaranteed him one year and had $60 million non-guaranteed on the contract, which basically was like, we're going year to year with you, sir. And this is part of the reason why. you know, He got... He was arrested in Cleveland. He, he had a situation that happened in Cleveland before he was traded. That was really a remarkable story. He was in a car that had a single car crash that flipped. He was extraordinarily lucky that he was not injured at all or killed in, he flipped his car on the highway. And when the police came, they found an unregistered gun in the glove compartment. And For various reasons, he walked away from that situation not only unhurt, but didn't even face a single charge. And shortly thereafter, he had an altercation with some folks in the Cleveland front office, and led them to trade him. But he obviously, and the Rockets obviously, protected themselves to a certain extent because of his track record. But a Kevin Porter move—you know—here's the thing, Bobby. Depending on the team, you're right to put out a press release. I mean, the press release would say team may acquires first round pick. And then in the very bottom team may also acquired, you know, guard Kevin Porter jr.
2: How many, uh, first round picks does Houston have? And, and don't they have like two unprotected Brooklyn picks?
1: They have the picks from the nets. So I wouldn't think, you know, they're, those are certainly not, um, those are certainly not in play. I mean, they've got, they owe Oklahoma city still things from the, um, from that Westbrook trade. I'm just pulling up their stuff right now. They've got their own their 27, 28, 29, 30. They're owned. Um, they owe the Thunder pick in 26. That's top four protected. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's they got some seconds here too. The, the, um, the
2: Nets, they have two first rounders from the Nets that are unprotected, right? Yeah,
1: 24 they're, they're not, and 26. 24 they're not trading and 26, 25 and 27, they can swap with Brooklyn. Uh-huh.
2: So if if another team were to trade for Kevin Porter Jr. and get a first round unprotected pick back from Houston, they then they could waive Porter Jr. right, and then they would they would
1: Well, Bobby their, was saying well, that they you know, might. What,
0: what will happen? Bobby was saying they might not waive him.
1: Yeah, what you will do is you will acquire him, let him sit on your suspended list until the suspension is over, because you will collect money that he will lose from it. And then you will waive him once the suspension is over. If you waive him before,
2: what, like if you, if you acquire him immediately, then waive him, you, you ha, you're on the hook for 16 million. But it
1: won't, because there's no games to serve from a suspension standpoint, which
2: would be the PR price to pay for that team, basically. And also, what is the price of an unprotected first round pick? Right. If a team has that type of pockets and say, well, 16 million is worth going to get a first round pick and we'll just cut him because we don't want the PR nightmare either right in it's theory possible. a team could do that right in i'm theory. just saying
0: that the snap concept that just cut him is not that's what, what the point we're trying to make here is that there could be a deal that involves some real players potentially. well and there
1: could be the deal too that a team a team that houston calls says it has a player that it earns megan i don't know 10 and 10. he's got a salary for next year and the Rockets says you know what we're going to be a cap, over cap team next year we can you know what we we we, we can take back a player for this year and for next year, if they get off the Porter Junior money this year, even if it costs us the first, yeah, so I I've, think there's I've, a lot of
0: yeah, yeah, I've, there there definitely are some con, trade concepts that are out there. Whether or not they could ever agree to them and actually get their owner to sign off, that's another story. But there are some trade concepts that are existing that describe Bobby uh, Sepp. Uh, okay, before we go, Ohm, you just got back from East Lansing. You had a sit down interview with Draymond Green. It was very interesting and newsy. He was there for uh, what's it called? Um,
2: Barton Grind Week.
0: Grind Week, which is like a. Reunion week, right? Everybody gets in and puts the helmets on for the defensive drills for Izzo.
2: (laughs) I did not see that. Uh, Izzo was there, though. But yeah, guys come back. You know, the uh, Draymond Greens, the Xavier Tillmans, Gary Harris's. Normally it's Jaron Jackson, but he was with you. And then a whole bunch of older Spartan legends like, you know, Mateen Cleaves, usually Steve Smith, Magic Johnson. Sometimes they stop by, too.
0: And what was uh, Draymond, you know, had some things to say about this upcoming season. Chris Paul and Jordan Poole. Maybe you could run through in case people didn't. Yeah, see so interview. he
2: number one was, you know, they're pursuing a fifth championship this year. the The big three, and he was like, "Yeah, the goal is five, but I'm not stopping there." He's like, "I don't want to put a number on it, but why not six? Why can't we get two more championships?" Um, I think he's feeling. A little rejuvenated. Um, obviously it was a challenging, probably one of the most challenging seasons for him, the way it started, the way it ended. I think he he he's not shying away from taking the blame for that. Uh, understands that the chemistry was fractured last year, but I think he he likes that this team has more of a veteran presence. Obviously, they, you know, t- got rid of pool brought in Chris Paul, and that was one thing that he said. He said, This season's one of the biggest seasons of my career. And he says, and it's not about redemption for me. It's basically, I want to help. My goal is to help Chris Paul win a championship, his first championship. And I said, You know how weird that sounds coming out of your mouth? Oh, my God. All the playoff battles with him. And I said, I said, On a scale one to 10, how did you feel about this guy? Before I could even finish the sentence, he just goes, 11. I hated him. 11. (laughs) He said, But, and he admitted, when the Warriors came to hit those guys and said, We're thinking about getting Chris Paul. He said he had to wrap his brain around it. And he was like, hmm. And you could see his face like struggling on camera. He's like, hmm. He's thinking more and more about it. And then he said, okay. He goes, I didn't say. And he goes, but I didn't say no. (laughs) That was the first thing he said.
0: Something else that you said in your story that went along with it. Or that he sold you. Yeah. They did the deal. And then he and Chris Paul connected.
2: Yeah. And he, then said just... like, he said something like, "He says like, so yeah, no." After we said happy to, and he cut himself off. So I'm saying like, happy to, you know, happy to join forces with you. He said we both just gave it time and space. Right. He said we had to give each other just space. And then he said, <laughs> since then they've seen each other, at the facility. I guess they've had some workouts, some face to face conversations, phone conversations. Because I said, how how do you go from being hated rivals to now we're on the same page trying to win a championship? Like because. Because it was so funny, Brian, when he described all the things that makes Chris Paul great. And he was like, this guy's the center of everything. He's talking about everything. He knows what your defense is going to do. He's calling it out. He gets under your skin. He's nasty. He elbows you. And I and I, I was talking say, about himself. Yes. I was like, you sound like you're talking about yourself. The like, spider. It's a Spider-Man meme. Yes, it's Spider-Man. exactly. And so, you know, I think, I think he said, we got over the first hump, which was, We had to digest it and wrap our brains around it. The next hump, though, is we got to see how it works on the floor. And I said, well, how is this going to work between you guys? And he said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know who's going to start. I don't know who comes off the bench because I don't know who's going to finish. He says, I'm not going to say that Steph doesn't finish on certain nights. But he's like, basically, if a guy doesn't have it on certain nights, we all got to have to sacrifice. And he goes, as long as we're trying to win a championship. I think the one thing he does like, though, is that he knows Chris Paul wants to win badly. Number two, he mentioned specifically, I can't wait to see him mentor Kuminga and what he can do for Kuminga. And so, and then he said, from a leadership standpoint, he goes, Steph is a great leader. I obviously consider myself a great leader, but some nights we're not going to always have it. Chris Paul's going to come in and he's going to be vocal all the time. And so he basically, I think they're looking for that boost that Chris Paul gives to every team in that first season. But you know you know what it looks like on the court. I mean, they th- th- this team averages less than three seconds of holding the ball. Chris that was Paul a great, averages like
0: 5.7 seconds. That was a great stat you had in there. Um, the, the Warriors average, what, 2.7 seconds yeah. holding the ball? Best, lowest in the league, right? Yeah, it was um, a second. Pass, it was pass,
2: lowest pass. A second, I don't remember. Something like that.
0: Well, they just don't. The other thing is they don't run pick and roll very much at all. The, they, the way they get stuff and those guys open is by movement. Move the ball, move bodies. Draymond catches passes, throws passes, sets screens, you know, Steph passes and relocates, passes and relocates. Chris Paul averages every time he touches it, averages holding it for six seconds. It's, you know, Bobby, I mean, I've been around long enough to to never say never on something working. And I've said this before on this podcast. I didn't think that um, Harden and Chris Paul would work. I thought it was a mistake. And I remember talking to Mike D'Antoni about maybe February of that season when they were playing great. And uh, I was like, Mike, I don't, I didn't think he had it. I didn't think he could do it. And he's like, We always believed. And so I will fall back on that and say that I didn't believe in Chris Paul mat- matching with Harden, and it worked. But I just, this is a hard sell for me, Bobby.
1: Well, I mean, I have more of an issue or questions with the balance of the rest of the roster. There's a, they're small. <laughs> I mean, this is a small group. Um, so that's the he, way
0: Steve Kerr likes it. Trust me. I just lived it for a month.
1: <laughs> and then what do you, does Steve Kerr, Kerr trust Kaminga and Moody in big spots? I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, they, they added Corey Joseph um, and and Sar, Darius Saric. Maybe he but, trusts them more with, with Chris Paul
2: on the floor with them. Maybe we'll that's, that's the answer. You know, like, like, I think like, okay, here's one of the way I look at it. Are they better in the playoffs moving forward? with Chris Paul than Jordan Poole. Chris Paul, I think, you know, he's going to be even
0: I'll ask a second question there. Do they make it to the, I don't mean like make it the playoffs. Does Chris Paul make it past February with them? You that, mean like to me, that's the first wise? question. Injury-wise no, no, or schematic-wise? No, no are they going to trade him? <laughs> are they going to trade him again?
1: Well, I, I'm just, I, you know... Well, because here's the reality of it. Like, do you really think Chris Paul will be on a a Golden State unless they win it all or go really far? Do you think he's going to be on their roster next summer?
0: Never, ever, 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 ever question the undefeated bird rights of Chris Paul. (laughs) Chris Paul's bird rights should go in. When Chris goes in the Hall of Fame, there should be a second little, little pedestal right next to it. With his bird rights. Who's going to
2: present it. the bird rights? <laughs>
0: Larry Bird. We have LeBron present Chris Paul and Larry Bird present his bird rights. I'm sure Larry would love that. I, I say this with respect. Chris Paul's been on this podcast. You know, you guys know how I feel about him. I have immense respect for the Warriors. I have immense respect for Steve Kerr. I have immense respect for Draymond. My God, Steph Curry. And I, hey, um, Draymond is saying the right things. Like, regardless of how he felt when he first sent that text or, you know, called them when you could tell there was like a sour taste in both their mouths. Like, okay, (laughs) all right. See, talk to you in a few weeks, bro. (laughs) Regardless of how that is, like they definitely are on the page right now. And so like, my question is like when there's, when Ramona Shelburne does a story like in March or next June, when she like gets inside and breaks down and gets everybody to tell the stories and everything, is she going to be saying, you know, these, is there going to be a Ramona story? That's like the Warriors put a good face on in training camp, but they knew there was no way this is going to work. And that's what I'm wondering right now, but I'm not there. I wasn't in their workouts. I was in Manila. I don't know what's going on there, but Draymond is saying the right things right now.
2: Uh, look, I mean, there are going to be times when Chris Paul is going to act like his normal Chris Paul, alpha Chris Paul and say things. And I wonder how that's going to go in practice or in the huddle with Draymond. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be real interesting that this guy used to get under Draymond's skin. You know what I mean? And so now now they got to, like, basically hear each other out as teammates and they got to fight with each other as teammates. And you know how that goes. And we'll see how that that happens. But I, I do think Draymond learned from last year. I mean, obviously it was, you know, he had that leave of absence after the fight with Pool, And, you know, Tom Izzo had to check on him every day to check where his his headspace was at and try to get him to reset. And he even said, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really lead the way I was capable of. So I think he's excited about that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he did call. Here's one thing he did say. He's called Chris Paul the master. And he said, and I can't wait to learn from him. And I was like, "huh, man, okay.
0: I mean, again, respect. I mean, I, I respect Draymond saying that. It's the, it's the right mindset to have. And look, the Warriors don't do this without a belief in their guys that they can make it work. But I, again, when I said this a couple of weeks ago, I, I got some blowback on it, but I'll say it again. Remember, part of the reason they did this deal was a salary dump. Just It wasn't like they looked at this and said, oh my God, this fit is amazing. It wasn't like when the Lakers traded for Westbrook, They did that deal thinking that this was going to work. A lot of us didn't, but like people who have championship rings were like, this can work. And it didn't, but they did it with the belief that it was going to work. This deal, whether it was 5%, 51%, whatever was partially done because they were dumping Jordan Poole's salary so that they could afford to pay Draymond and Wiggins and potentially Clay going into the future. So but you know, does this improve, keep that in mind? And this is also
2: improved their locker room after everything they went through last year. How
0: could it be worse?
2: Right. I'll,
0: and I'll, I'll tell you I, what Draymond's attitude indicates that it already has. Yes. Right. Yes. So maybe that's the case. And you know what? As difficult as it is for Chris, sometimes with Chris Paul, he, he wins the respect of teammates. And um, that's, that's what
2: Draymond said last year. The fabric was off. The team was not together. They were not a team. And he's saying basically this year, we got to get back to that because it was fractured last year. And so I think if you bring in a guy like Chris Paul, they're probably thinking at least in year one, it's probably going to go better than it was last season.
0: Okay. All right. Well, check out both what Bobby wrote about the the PPP policy. Uh, It's redundant, the PPP. And Olm's uh, sit down and story with Draymond. Thank you for listening to the collective podcast. Thank you to Jackson and Parker, our producers, and we will talk to you guys in a few days.